Good morning and a very warm welcome to this Sunday morning service. It is great to see you again and to see you at home. We are meeting here in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Abba Father, I thank you that you love in your creativity to make a beautiful picture with us. Different colors, different gifts. And I pray that we would help the children, the families, we as a church who are your children would learn to embrace these many gifts. To welcome them with open arms and to encourage them. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting to read at verse 1. Concerning spiritual gifts. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Amen. In the human species, at all events, there is a great diversity of pleasures. The same things delight some men and annoy others. And things painful and disgusting to some 
are pleasant and attractive to others. Aristotle. Our ability to reach unity in diversity will be the beauty and the test of our civilization. Mahatma Gandhi. A lot of different flowers make a bouquet, is, says an Islamic proverb. If you want the rainbow, you have to deal with the rain. Augustus Caesar, it is time for parents to teach young people early on that in diversity there is beauty and there is strength, Maya Angelou. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Paul from Tarsus. Having listed all these quotations, Paul does not really confront us with a message that is new or groundbreaking. Neither during his time, represented in the quotes by Augustine and Aristotle, quite to very uh, famous and also favorite people to argue with in that time, their theories, that is, nor in recent history or today is the mindfulness of diversity something ab abstract or alien. On the contrary, it's a hot topic. Diversity is an important and beautiful asset that strengthens and challenges a community, and let's be honest, who would disagree with that, especially in presence of such a cloud of witnesses represented in these quotations? Cheekiness aside, all these quotes share a precision in language, beautiful imagery, and they all call us to the virtue of tolerance and generosity. The New Testament writer Paul is not different in that regard. In this quote and in the passage read to us, he emphasizes exactly this. There is diversity, a diversity of gifts, talents, abilities, graces, if you take the Greek translation very literal. Grace is enabling a culture of serving to, and to serve one another. And this diversity is God-given and therefore good. That would be the passage of the letter summarized. I'm meeting with students every Friday for a tutorial, and the first task we do is summarize the author's text in one sentence. So that would be that. There's diversity, a diversity of gifts, enabling a culture of serving one another. And this diversity is God-given and therefore good. This is a noble message. However, referring to the kids' talk, it is much easier and quicker to just color in one color than using the whole range of the colors there are. We do not warm up easily to what seems different to us. Not to mention to collaborate with someone who is very different from us. And 
children experience this already. There is that one kid that's different and therefore gets excluded, perhaps even bullied. Or in the workspace, engaging with diversity is difficult. Thinking of that one person who neatly needs to organize everything minute by minute, that would be me. Or the very laid-back person, I will all fall in place, dude, kind of person, can drive us mad. Or think of your family members, your friends, your spouses, teenagers, and how they challenge you because the way they approach a question or a problem is different. And that's one word for it. It's wrong, let's be honest. And if you look into the church history, it seems that this is the central dynamic of histor historical change within the church. People not getting along with their differences. So my point is, diversity is difficult and being different is challenging to be hold together. And this has not challenged throughout time, as the quotes show. And this is exactly the challenge the Christian community in Corinth was wrestling with. The Christian community, the people that met there, struggled with the diversity that grew among them. They started to disrespect one another and fall out with each other because of the different inputs they received from different teachers that came to support them in the first place. Some followed Apollos, some Peter, some Paul. This is how the letter sets off the letter that Paul writes, which we just heard the reading out of. So we must imagine ourselves clicking someone's letterbox, email box, clicking on that email and reading this email sent to this church. And the letter basically opens with a plea, let there be no division amongst you. Different teachers that visited them, this congregation in support, turned into a debate of right and wrong. We would probably say, some followed the Pope, some Rick Warren, and some anti-right. And how does Paul engage them? This issue of difference in opinion and neglect of diversity. Well, he is not telling them that they need to accept diversity. He draws their focus to what unites them. Not what divides, but what unites. And this is what I perceive, just reading from the quotes, the big difference between Paul's quote and the others mentioned earlier, or Paul's letter and the others mentioned, the quotations mentioned earlier. Paul mentions a unifying factor within the diversity. Going back to Paul's email, so to speak, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same gift spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same 
God at work. Can you hear how the three-in-one God, God the Father Creator, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one God who is diverse in himself, is positioned in midst of the many as the unifying factor. Paul highlights what unifies. In everyone, it is the same God at work. And from this point onward, we can use the other quotes as beautiful encouragement to add mine. A lot of different colors make a picture that is worthwhile to look at. We need a unifying factor. In everyone, it is the same God at work. And this statement is sourced by a conviction that is central to all of Paul's efforts and central for us to understand. For Paul, it is about the working of the Trinity in the wider world. And the main question that motivated him, that drove him, was this. What is this embodied God up to now? What is this embodied God, this God visible in Christ, up to now? And it was Paul's basic theological understanding, after what some call his conversion experience on the road of Damascus, that Jesus started to transform this world and that he will come back to finish this. So Paul tells these crawling people in Corinth that the Holy Spirit, Elaine used breath of God last week, that this Holy Spirit Wind or dynamic breath of God, dynamic motion is manifested in each believer to serve one another in a diversity of gifts because this is how God becomes visible and this is how he, the embodied God, continues to be present among us and continues to transform this world until Jesus comes back. Jesus started to transform this world and the Trinity is at work in the wider world and its signature is unity in diversity. This is where Paul draws these thoughts together. What is this God up to? And his basic understanding, this frame Jesus started something. He's going to finish it. Where is God here? He is here in the Holy Spirit, embodied through you, through us, through the believers. And with that, the Holy Spirit is embodied in every believer, be it in a message of wisdom, deep faith, 
speaking in different languages, translating language, encouraging criticism, seeing the intent people speak with or act upon. Let me give you some examples from our congregation. Referring to a few people I have had the privilege to walk with more closely these past few years. Holy Spirit is embodied in every believer. So I marvel at how Julie is able to lead in prayer with such liberty that she actually leads me back into relationship with God. I marvel at how Elaine manages to see beneath the layers of a smile and how her day seemed to have 48 hours because she always manages to find time for people. How David is able to respect, not just accept, but respect different opinions. How Catherine manages not to neglect the details and finds way to stay in contact with people. Give Anne a piece of paper and something beautiful comes out. And Elaine has a way to meet the kids right where they are in her kids' talk. And thank God for people at the technical side of stuff. And the list goes on. These are just some examples. How the Holy Spirit is embodied in every believer. Manifested in each one of us, in each one of you. And this is as obvious in our gifts as in someone saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, says Paul cheekily in his letter. And just as Jesus did not live a life for the purpose of self-perfection, but in service, so does his spirit lead us to serve one another, to bring each other joy, to encourage one another, to liberate one another, to be there for one another. And it is the way, this is the way how God continues to embody himself, to become visible, to work, to transform this world. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in every one, it is the same God at work. So, in response to Paul's central question, what is this God up to now? We discover him respond this. God is visible in us and we take up this rich heritage and diverse heritage Jesus and his disciples started and began. Through the Holy Spirit, the embodied God continues to be manifested in this world through you because he cherishes his creation. We are 
part of transforming the world. And therefore, it cannot be enough for us to be pleased with striving towards self-improvement. It is not enough to use the gift just as a means, ends, and in mean, uh, ends to these means. <laughs> it is addressed towards the other. To express love towards your neighbor. The very dynamic motion of the spirit is moving us into relationship with the world that surrounds us and with each other. In other words, the Holy Spirit is manifested in you, and so God does in fact become visible through you for the other. Visible through you for the other. And so as a last step, let's not just process this in our thoughts and let us not keep our heads in the clouds but get grounded how can we practice what we say that we believe it's one thing to think it but how does it sink into the heart and into the hands for this i suggest three questions to lead you into a time of self-reflection and hopefully into a time of deciding to take one practical step this next week to go one step on this path that God does in fact become visible through you for the other. First, what are you doing that brings you joy? What are you doing you're gifted at? Who knows about it? And maybe this is also a good time because perhaps you start thinking about other people to tell them what you see. But what? Who knows about your gifts? And in view of today's thoughts, and Paul's email, what's your next move? What are you going to do with it? Jesus started to transform this world. His spirit is at work within and working through you manifesting diversity. And it is through that one spirit that we are united and take up this rich heritage of transforming this world with him, moving us into relationship with the world that surrounds us and with each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, at this time when COVID restrictions are beginning to ease and we are able to meet with those we love again, we give you thanks for the freedom we have to meet here with one another and with you. Fill our hearts and minds with gratitude, love and praise as we gather to worship. 
We give thanks for the success of the measures taken to combat the virus and of the vaccination program, which are leading us back to normality, whatever that means for each one of us. And we continue to give thanks to all those who have worked throughout the period of lockdown and who have given so much to care for and support each one of us in innumerable ways. Grant them a sense of satisfaction in jobs well done and periods of rest and recuperation that they may be restored. We know that the pandemic has had a huge impact on the mental health of many people and we pray for them, for their families and friends and for the professionals trying to help with woefully inadequate resources. Father, bring light into the dark and hope into the despair. We pray for those who hold power and influence in public office and especially for those who will seek our votes in the upcoming election. Grant them integrity, honesty, and a desire to do their very best for those they seek to represent. And as we pray for our own leaders, we pray also for those known to us in other parts of the world, and we bring them now to you in the silence. Father, at the end of this week of mourning for the loss of the Duke of Edinburgh, we pray for the Queen and her family, as we pray for those, all those suffering bereavement at this time. Father, bring light in the dark and hope in the despair. And as we leave this place in a short while, enable us to use the gifts you have given us to bring your light and your hope, your love and peace to those we encounter who are in need. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together, Spirit of God.
May the Father of life pour out his grace on you. May you feel his hand in everything you do. May the Son of God be Lord in all your ways. May he shepherd you the length of all your days. May his spirit comfort you and make you strong. May he discipline you gently when you're wrong. The three-in-one God in your heart, may he receive the praise. This is my prayer for you. Amen. I wish you all a good Sunday and a good week to come.